torn. I didn't even know I had a meniscus, and now I think I've torn both of them. <laughs> so, anyway, I am Nancy Posey, and I'm glad to, I know some of you and don't know a lot of you. But uh, when Patrick asked me about teaching one of these classes on the spiritual disciplines, I chose service for several reasons, none of them being that I think I'm really the expert at it. But I've been a teacher a long time. I've taught English for about 25 years. I taught childbirth classes and aerobics and uh, prenatal exercise and needlepoint. Uh, and what I always learn is the teacher learns more than the students invariably. You know, if you want to learn something, prepare to teach about it. So this is something that I really want to be disciplined as a Christian, especially as a servant. But I don't know about you, but I'm the queen of good intentions. You know, if, uh, if I got credit for all the letters and cards that I meant to send, or the calls and visits I meant to make, the organizations I meant to volunteer my time for, uh, I would have an incredibly story crown in heaven. Yeah. But I know that too often I'll look back and say, I meant to send her a card, or I meant to do this. and. Uh, there are just so many opportunities that I don't always embrace them. And I think, well, you know, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, and he didn't have to, but he was credited for righteousness. Okay. So maybe, maybe good intentions count, but I want Jesus to be my model and not those second-tiered guys. Uh, I want to be able to, uh, because I know in, in his final act, before Jesus sacrificed himself, he asked to let the cup be passed, and he did it anyway. So I find that there are so many examples throughout the whole Bible, but especially in the life of Christ, that really show me how to be a servant. Another reason that I wanted to focus on service has to do with really what I discovered when I moved to Otter Creek a little, little over a year ago. You know, I lived away from here, and there were it, it went to a church. Caleb in a small church, the only church of Christ basically in, in a small town where I like to joke that people didn't know enough about the church of Christ to even hate us. Uh, you know, and there, were, there was a lot, you know, there were some wonderful people, but there were things that I just, there, I just felt a dearth of uh, inspiration sometimes, opportunities sometimes. And while I was there though, you know how sometimes some sermons stick with you. There's some I hear, you know, and some are like Chinese food, you know, are really good, and then, shoop, you forget them. Every once in a while, I'll hear a lesson or a sermon that really sticks with me. And several years ago, there was a visiting minister, Mike Sparks, from, I think, the Burnt Hickory Church in Atlanta spoke. And for some reason, his lessons stuck with me better than anything I've heard in a long time. And what he said is that there are really four types of Christians. And I always like those, those categories. They say there are uh, three types of people, those who are good at math and those who aren't. Um, he said there are three, four types of Christians. He said some people, some Christians are people of the word. We're you know, fed by studying and really digging deep into God's word. Uh, some people are worship and praise people. Their way of expressing their Christianity you know, song and praise and contemplation. Some people are really uh, evangelistic, spreading the gospel near them, far away. And some people are really devoted to service of others, to benevolence. 
So I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, well, at least I can't be everything. I know what I am. I am a word person. But then he said, if one of the other types of Christians make you uncomfortable, you need to spend more time with those people. That was convicting. You know? Instead of thinking, well, I'll hang out with the people who want to talk about the Bible or, uh, and let everybody else do. And I realized, maybe I needed other people to rub off on me. Uh, if I was on a desert island and I could pick one thing, I'd want the Bible. You know, I love to sing, but you know, I, I think I could remember enough. I wouldn't need the PowerPoints on the screen. Uh, I'd want my Bible and maybe a pencil uh, so I could write in it. But when my hunger isn't sated for, for real good study in the Word, I know that I get weaker. But what I found when I came to Otter Creek was that you know here, I don't know about you, but I really get that my need to study, my intellectual stimulation, I get it. The sermons, you know, they speak to me. I'm not just sitting there thinking, oh, I hope she's listening. Uh, they really speak to me. And I have you know, so many classes that I have to decide which one to go to. And that has been so good for me being here. But what I've found is because that need is filled, I've also found my worship and praise elevated so much. You know, I love to sing. And, and here, just being around a body of people that worship like the members here do has made my worship, has you know, really brought it up to a different level. And I've found more opportunity to talk to other people about Christianity. You know, people, it seems like people have been brought my way and who aren't at all, you know, the unchurched or people from faiths outside of Christianity and I found more opportunities. And this is a place I feel comfortable inviting people and that's been a real blessing to me. But I've never been anywhere where I've had more opportunity to serve. You know, I think Otter Creek is, it's really a serving church. And a lot of times, one of the things I want to kind of caution against, how many of you have caught yourself saying, well, it's just such a big church, it's hard to get to know everybody. Yeah. So what do we do? Yeah. So we think, well, I'll just at least know the people who sit around me. Uh, I think we need to give it a rest. <laughs> uh, look for opportunities to get to know people. You know, introduce yourself to people, even if you think they've been here forever. Uh, but realize a church this size has so many servants to do God's word, and it gives us more of a chance to to plug in. So one thing I want to encourage, I want to ask you, and I'm, I'm talking a lot. So if you think of something to say, please raise your hand. I I, I could be lecture teacher. You know, if he had asked me to talk about. Shakespeare or poems I could have done or dangling participles I could do that too but I would I would like for you to you know if you, when you have if, if you think of something you want to say because I do that when somebody's talking you know stick your hand up please uh, but yeah I just want to challenge you to walk alongside me and seek opportunities to grow to be more like Christ who modeled servant leadership he was a servant king yeah that's why so many people didn't know what to do with somebody. Who, there hadn't been anybody before who had been in a position of authority and, a, and power who cared about the, the ailments and sadness and sorrow, who spent his life, you know, just were being touched by the, those who had infirmities was something that was important to him. One of my favorite works of Southern literature is Clyde Edgerton's book, Walking Across Egypt. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Edgerton. Well, 
He'll be here for the Southern Festival of Books in Nashville. And he's one of the funniest writers I know. Well, one of my favorite books is called Walking Across Egypt. And Maddie Rigsby, the main character, it's a little, you know, there's a hilarious first chapter, but she finds out, really by snooping, that the dog catcher has a nephew who's in prison. And somehow that gets her attention because she realizes, you know, he could be my own grandson. And she keeps going back because she's heard in Sunday school that Jesus said, uh, whatever we do for the least of these my brethren, we do to him. And so she, rather than just thinking about it, she decides to start doing something about it. And she goes to visit this little reprobate and she visits him in prison and brings him things. And when he gets out, she stays family with him. And it, even though it's a funny little story, it's a principle of looking for ways, looking for the least of these, looking for the vulnerable, looking for people who need to be served. So let's look, let's look at Matthew 25, 31, if you have it in your Bible or on your phone. Because this, I think this is the pivotal scripture that tells us whatever we do is important. And we're not just doing it for ourselves to feel better or even just for the people we're serving, but what we're doing, we're doing for him. He says, beginning in verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right, and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And I love this. They don't go, yeah, that's all right. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Surely we would have recognized you, but we were kind of busy with these other people. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He didn't say because you were gambling and drinking. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I don't know about you, but on the judgment day, if I get a big surprise, I don't want it to be that I failed to recognize opportunities that were right in front of me. And it's all little things, water or some clothes or something to eat or a visit. Uh, nothing expensive. In many cases, a uh, little more than time the commodity that we all have. Uh, and what I'm thinking, you know, as I've thought of the lesson, I wonder, do we live like we believe 
that he said this. I mean, this is a, a, there's nobody in this room who hasn't read that scripture how many times? Yeah. It's right in front. But do we live like we believe it? Do I live like I believe it? Yeah. Uh, when I try to be Jesus, am I trying to see Jesus in other people? There was one of my favorite articles. Uh, one of the editors of the Charlotte Observer wrote a piece right at Christmas that I keep probably, probably folded up in my, in my Bible where he was going, went to Florida for something and it was right around Christmas, but it was hotter than he expected and he was gonna go, you know, stuck a $20 bill or $30 in his pocket and he was going to buy a short sleeve shirt. And a young man with lesions approached him and said, sir, he said, and he, he said that he had, had AIDS, his family had rejected him, but it looked like he had, he had an opportunity. They had kind of opened the door for him to come and visit, but he didn't have a way to get there. And he said, I just need some bus money. And he said, he gave him, he said, I don't, he didn't ask him a question, I just gave him the money. And the young man seemed almost surprised, walked, turned to leave, and then he turned back and he says, I think you're Jesus. And the man who wrote it said, I wish I'd been able to say, uh, I think you're Jesus uh, when you're doing it to the least of these. Not, not questioning the motives or how you got where you are or uh, seeing a need, being able to feel the need, you know, giving up the chance to buy one more short sleeve shirt uh, and changing a life in ways he'll never know. Those little things we do are the ones that will, you know, we don't get the feedback except maybe at Judgment Day. Um, Another favorite scripture that I think doubly reinforces the idea of the importance of service in Jesus' life is John 13, beginning with that second verse. We say, if you really want to know what's important to people, notice what they'll try to tell you uh, when they know they're not going to see you again. You know, we think of the thing, the deathbed confessions and those last words of advice from people we love when they know it's the last time we're going to see each other. And I think it's particularly important to look at the things that Jesus said to those closest to him, those who were going to have to carry his work forward after he left this earth. And so I think this is a particularly important scene for us. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now I think it's interesting. He hasn't left yet, so Judas is still there with the rest of the twelve. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. You know, so he didn't, so he, it doesn't say, so he got in the chair and said, I want you all to recognize me, I'm the king. No, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He said to Simon Peter, who's, he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. I love Peter, don't you? Yeah. No, not me. Uh, Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. You know? and once he gets it, he's, he's all, uh, all in. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he had said not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. 
Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We, we never get so far up in the hierarchy that we don't need to serve. And we know that because the, the king, you know, the Lord, the one who had all authority and all power, got down, on his, got down and washed even the feet of the man who was going to betray him and the one who would deny him. And, he, and unless they missed it, because a lot of times they go, now explain this again. He says, I'm doing this. Let me, let me tell you why I'm doing this. I'm, this is an example. Yeah. It's little things. Yeah. Washing feet. Oh. His lesson is, you know, I think that's where it's seen most clearly. And uh, it's probably one of those concrete demonstrations. There's probably nothing more lowly. Nobody's going to make the Gospel Advocate or Christian Chronicle with your picture because you washed somebody's feet or gave somebody a cup of water. Uh, and I think Paul continues to remind us of the same lesson. And in Romans 12, he says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. You know, he goes on to list the gifts. So he points out some people have a gift for, t for service. And if you just, you know, it would, if I just asked for a show of hands, each of you could name somebody you know who just exemplifies servants. I mean, in this congregation, there are some of those, some people that I see all the time, the ones that nobody would know if we weren't watching carefully, that just very quietly, privately serve. They don't, have, you know, they don't, write it up, they don't get garnished stars, they don't put it on their resume, they're a servant. Some people have that gift. But if it's not our, if that's not our gift, are we off the hook? Well, I'm, my gift isn't service. You know, uh, in 1 Peter 4.10, we're told, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So service might not be our number one, but you know, whatever we do have, Whatever we're good at, whatever we enjoy, we're compelled to use that to serve. You know, that's the neat thing is that there's so many ways to be a servant. Um, and I mean, part of what keeps me from following through with that with service is really my own sinful nature, my selfishness. You know, I, I I stay busy and I think, well, I've got a little free time. I just want to. I don't want to have to get out and do anything. Uh, or in my case, there's so many things I want to do, maybe I don't have time for service. It's, it's me time, I've deserved this. Uh, self gets in the way of service. A lot of times, I don't think we're choosing to sin rather than to serve. You know, it's not, you know, I think I'm gonna go and rob a liquor store or else I'm gonna give somebody water. It's, most of us aren't making, we're, it's not that kind of dilemma. It's me or someone else. It's serving self or serving someone else. Uh, Sometimes I'm more a Martha than a Mary. You know, I, I identify with Peter because he's a blurter and, he, you know, and he's one of those, he, he says things, then he's always having to backtrack. What is it, Josh calls him, you know, the apostle with foot-shaped mouth. 
But how many of you, do you ever identify with Martha? Do you ever kind of feel sorry for her for getting uh, put on the spot? Because what, what would have happened if she hadn't been back there cooking and cleaning? And doing, you know, hey, Martha, you know, bring me a sandwich. Uh, what, if she, what, would anybody have complained if she had sat down and, at Jesus' feet too? You know, she, she had a gift. Her problem wasn't that she was act in her act of service. It's trying to uh, compel someone else to do her job, do the job she's doing. To think I'm doing it, everybody does. And do we? Do you have your pet acts of service? Do you have causes that you care about more than others? Yeah. I think that's one of the challenges here. Is there's so many ways to serve that when we see in what we do, you know, we see things being un needs being unmet. And we kind of want to say, well, wh wh why aren't you, do without knowing what somebody else is doing? Uh, we can only be responsible for ourselves, although I think we can do a little, some recruiting. Uh, another thing that I've learned about service is when I serve others, I benefit as much as sometimes more than those that I serve. Uh, uh, you know, what, what, what do we gain from, is there anything be greater than the feel, when, recognition that you've done something for someone else. Yeah. You know, one thing I think that diminishes it is when we have to go tell somebody. Yeah. Isn't that the hardest thing in the world to do, to, to perform an act of service that nobody needs to know about and then try to not to have to get the little, you know, I mean, we strain, strain our back, try, hand trying to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, but I think when we we can lose ourselves in, uh, in service to others. You know, we can get over ourselves. When I give up my freedom to do what I want to in order to meet the needs of others, there are all kinds of ways that I benefit. One is it gives me, it really gives me perspective. Uh, there's nothing like serving those who have less than I am to make me realize what an abundance I have, whether it's health or wealth or uh, transportation or uh, relative youth <laughs> there I think it helps us to really put ourselves you know there are days when I think oh you know I look in the mirror and go oh you can't possibly be a 60 year old woman and then I see you know that some of these 97 year old women that are at Bible study every time and uh, uh, driving themselves and and or when I see someone who's you know I've, I've hurt my knee and then I have a friend I find out who's been on a walker for you know my age and she has to walk with a walker just to get around her house uh, it helps me get over myself, and I think that's a gift. One, one thing we can't say is they're really, I'd serve if, I, if, I knew, if there was something to do. Do we have any shortage of opportunities? Yeah. Do you read, you know, the bulletin's a good place to start. There's almost every week something I think, I want to do that. Just this week, I know the Bringing, bringing things to the refugees, little lists, things that we all probably already have extras of that would be really easy to do. Small thing, you know, that little drop in the bucket that makes a big ripple. Uh, and some of the, you know, we, we get personal happiness, we get awareness of our own blessings. I think we recognize others as individuals. You know, it's so easy not to see, you know, it's us and them, you know, those who are without. We, when we are able to see people as individuals with, with needs. Uh, I went to 
grown-up music camp last week. Uh, one of my simple pleasures, uh, guilty pleasures. And there's there's an old guy there who who writes his own songs. Um, really clever. They're you know very clever, but his voice isn't really great. So one of his first songs, he gave me a CD, and the first song is and is addressing his children, please don't roll your eyes at me when I sing. But one of, his, you know, one of his songs was One Paycheck Away. And it was that acknowledgement, seeing someone in need and not wanting to make eye contact. You know, the, the person with the sign that says, lost my job, I have children. And he said, not wanting to make eye contact. And he said, I realize that that could be me. There's probably sometimes one paycheck a difference between that person in need and myself. And I think that's just that awareness. Uh, I think it's not only those outside, but there are a lot of needs here within our congregation. I think one of the reasons that Jesus uh, calls us to a community as a church is we, we do become family. And there, you know, sometimes there are needs that are, that are unmet in a congregation. We, we don't let ourselves, part, partly when we have needs, we don't open ourselves up, don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable. We may think we're the only ones. You know. I had a friend who found out their church secretary was living in her car for a while because you know, her husband had left her and she lost her house. And, and here she's showing up in the office, not letting down that guard. Uh, I think as we get into each other's lives and as we let ourselves be a little more vulnerable, that's one way for us to find out needs that are not met. Or, because I think we, could, we all have enough resources that we can, we can take care of each other if we let go. I, yes? So one of the things I always think about too with services, a lot of times is we think like we're coming down to serve. Mm-hmm. And that, that can be really dangerous because that's, that's, not what it is. that's not service, that's pity. Right. And real service comes from walking the same path as the person, you know, being not looking at them as lesser or even more, but mm-hmm. looking at them as that's mm-hmm. that's my brother or sister. Yeah. That's that's family. That's who. Even if they're not your family, that's who to realize, realize. Hey, like we're on the same playing field. Here. Mm-hmm. It's just I, we have two different skills going on right now. They're not, they're not matching up. Right. But then when you work together, they can somehow beautifully mm-hmm. become a gift to both. Mm-hmm. And you know, so when you. You can always say, oh, the, you know, the poor countries, and you have some resources between to them. But a lot of times they're more, you know, familiar with, like, having a great community or having great families, mm-hmm. even though they don't have as much. Or, and whereas here, it's like, you know, sometimes hard to get the whole family together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of that, that there's stuff that they have that are so beneficial. Mm-hmm. They have gifts that they can use, too. Mm-hmm. And when you put them together, it's kind of and I think, and I think if we help people that way, where that we give the we we help to meet their needs, but get to know them enough to know, I think allowing other people to find ways to serve. You know, there are people who don't have financial resources, but who have some great skills, and sometimes recognizing those can also help them to find a way to you know to get into better circumstances. But if not, allow, you know, allow allowing others to serve us is something that's sometimes difficult for us too. You know, we only want to be on the you know that that giving in, forgetting the uh, you know that it, the better to give than to receive doesn't just mean you know we get the blessed you know we're more blessed in heaven. The idea of the being finding the kingdom here now 
and expanding the kingdom is really important. Yes? Uh, I had a um, lady once tell me that if you don't allow people to serve you, you are robbing them of a blessing. Mm-hmm. And it's it, not just yeah. you serving, but you have to allow others to serve you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. And think about the people you're closest to. They're the ones that you wouldn't mind asking, you know, you, do you mind imposing on a friend? You know, that, and I think by, by, by asking people, you know, just would you, could you do this for me? Showing people we have need, uh, I, th- I think it's, it's a gift. It lets down our guard and we, you know, it, it, the more we can move, we all have, we all have different kinds of needs. It's, and it's, it's not all financial, it's time, it's uh, you know, just walking alongside each other. Um, one, of the way, if it, one of the ways to find, you know, I think the bulletin's a good place to start, but there are a lot of different ways, ways to serve. Sometimes I think we have to get out of our comfort zone. Oh, how many of you came, went to camp night this week? Yeah. Did, how, did you, how many, had any of you gone to camp? Sitting in the audience, I'm thinking, I wanted to be there. Yeah. I wanted to be at camp. It just killed me to think, oh, that was a lot of fun. I wasn't there. And so I was telling my daughter, Laura, and she said, well, you know, what would you like to do? Would you like to work in the kitchen? Well, not. I said, well, not the kitchen, anything but that. And I realized, oh, that might be where I need to be. You know, I, I like to cook. I, I, hate the, I hate cleaning up the kitchen. So I thought, maybe that's where I need to go. You know, maybe I'd serve best in that place that I run from. Watch, you know, that's, that's the thing to look but I think we can also work with our strengths. Find what, you're re- what you really like to do, what you're good at. Uh, sometimes the things we really enjoy when we try to make a career out of them, it kind of ruins the joy. But if you can find what you really like to do and find other ways to use them to serve others, it, it makes all the difference. It, I think it doubles our pleasure. If you like to, I, I love to write. Uh, I like to cook. And I find I also like to eat, but if I cook it and give it to somebody else, that also helps me. Uh, you know, some of us are just good, you know, don't mind driving. Some people, I, for some reason, the Nashville traffic, it's, it's annoying, but it, it's not, it, to me, I just see it as a challenge. I don't know if you've noticed this, but Nashville drive, as many of them as there are, have you noticed they let you, people will let you out? I follow, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Waze subscriber. And I ended up, Waze got me to an intersection where I needed to, without a light, I needed to go left across three lanes. And people stopped and let me, you know. No, they raised the whole hand, not the, not the finger. Um, so, you know, drive, think about how many people can't drive. Or shouldn't drive. Mm-hmm. Or afraid to drive here. Uh, sometimes it's where we're going anyway. Sometimes some people just need us to sit beside them. Just to spend time with them. Uh, a lot of people need child care. Not necessarily long term, but just for a little while. You know, Megan and Michael Munson have Nico and Blake now. Our uh, sort of grand, you know, we, they, we're still down in Papa to them, I think. And she's getting ready to go back to work. And it's gonna, you know, she, you know, she, she just needs a little bit of help here and there. Nobody, it's not a long term commitment. You get to play with cute kids. There are a lot of parents here who don't have grandparents. We, we moved here for grandchildren, yes. I was gonna say, I think 
going off what Caleb said, I think an important part of service too is that you form and build that relationship with whoever you're serving. I think that does a couple things for you. First, I think it opens up your heart and it's more beneficial to you. Mm -hmm. Second, it allows you to hear what that person really needs because I think Mm -hmm. a huge temptation for us that are more blessed, and especially us here in the West, we tend to think that we know what that person needs Mm -hmm. before they've even opened up their mouth Mm -hmm. to tell us what they need. So we go into like a third world country and you say, you need food and you need clothes and you need this. And in reality, they've got clothes, they've got farms. What they need is maybe something more infrastructure based or mm-hmm. something like wells, like clean water. Mm-hmm. But if we like open up ourselves to that relationship, we're able to hear clearly and it, it levels the playing field, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, my voice is just as significant as their voice their voice is maybe even more significant than mm-hmm. what I have to speak in the situation. What's that? We, we say be warmed and filled. <laughs> have, have, a, have a sandwich. Have, have a dollar. And yeah, and uh, I think listening is one. It, listening is an act of service. And uh, I think you're exactly right. We, I, I spent some time in Haiti a while back. And one of the young men that, that drove us did a lot of talking. And he said, we don't want to be America. We just want to be a better Haiti. And it's real easy. I think, I think we have to really watch even the way we do missions. Sometimes we, we, do temp, we put a Band-Aid on, you know, on ulcers instead of going in and, help, and, and trying, to, like I said, helping with infrastructure, helping to provide something that long-term hope to, to learn, you know, to help people to establish independence. Yes? I'll just put a plug in. Um, Wayne Dixon. Y'all don't know him. He's our missional discipleship staff person. Um, great guy, great point of contact if you're looking to serve. And he put together a really beautiful display and a very functionally beneficial display down in the coffee area, mm-hmm. the OC Mission Center. And every week on there, there's something different that's a need. Mm-hmm. And there's a website now. And so there's definitely an effort within Otter Creek to try to open up where people don't have to hunt quite as hard. Who feel the need to, or the desire to serve, and they know they never want to, they don't know how. So there really are some good resources here. Yeah, I think yeah, and and we need to realize that's not just decoration. Absolutely. You know that it's there. It, go by pick. You know, there's that's where I got the list last week for things that were needed for, for refugees, and and I think that we have so we really have great resources to serve, and there are some. I think that's something that Otter Creek has been so. Uh, has been so good at. I think if, if you ask people in the community, you know, if they don't know anything about us, uh, you know, Agape started here, the, uh, the Living Water Project, the involvement in YES, the Youth Encouragement Services, Wayne Reed Center, uh, the president of Healing Hands International is here now, the, you know, Exile, they're made in the streets, room at the inn. There are so many huge opportunities where you're not having to go it alone. If that, uh, you don't have to figure out, you know, the system's there. We just need to find ways to step into it. It's a way to learn something new. Or uh, I think one, one way you can start, write down things you're good at. Take some time to evaluate your own talents and see what, what, what you could use. Or think of things that you'd really like to learn how to do that could be acts of service. Uh, Quit you. When, plug into hospitality. 
you know, I'll, I'll, Laura would Laura would thank me for saying that. The hospitality ministry here, it's little, it's tiny, you know, handing out bulletins or standing at the door and greeting people. It's very you know, making that coffee. Yeah, that's it's it's messy and it's troublesome, but it also puts you in contact with people and you've got a name and they're able to identify. And I think the more we know each other through little things, the more we have opportunities. Is it about that time? I'm not good at timing. I'm gonna think of watch for new members, new parents, newlyweds, uh, prayer warriors. If there's a shower for a newlywed or baby and you don't know the people, go to that one. Go to the showers for people you don't know. Because imagine how scary it would be to be a new member and have a shower and, and you're afraid nobody will show up. Otter's pretty good about that. Uh, those are the things to go to. Watch for intergenerational ways to serve. The church, the, you know, one of the things the congregation where in North Carolina did, uh, on the weekend closest to September 11th every year, they, the, and it started with the teenagers, and it began to involve all the church, serve the servants. And they would start at early supper, they cooked spaghetti all night and then breakfast in the morning, and they invited all the policemen, the firemen, the EMTs, emergency room workers. You, they could come in and eat with us, or they could order out, and we had people, you know, that's where the adults were, would deliver meals. Uh, amazing impact on a community from a tiny little church doing things, and, and the benefit is, is that time together with the different generations was real important. I'm going to finish not with a scripture, but with a quote from George Bernard Shaw. Uh, he says, This is the true joy in life, being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I'm of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community, and as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It's a sort of splendid torch which I've got to hold up for a moment, and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Thank you. Somebody want, want to close us with a prayer? Would you mind? Okay. Dear Father in Heaven, we come before you today and we just ask that you give us the hearts of servants. We ask that you would provide opportunities in our lives daily that we may uh, put ourselves last and truly know what it is to serve you. Lord, we praise you for the opportunities to come together like this and to worship and study in your name and learn more about how we can walk with you. I pray that as we go forward this week that we will truly adopt a uh, mindset of giving, a mindset of being blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay.